Chris, welcome back. Here Episode again. three. Here we are, man. I know I know how you already are. It's like it's like match day, Christmas yeah. day, walking into a candy store, you're excited. Well you I brought your that. buddy in last week. I know, so, so we, I had to bring my buddy. Had in. to have you bring yours. <laughs> had to have you bring yours. Go ahead, Chris, introduce him. Who do we have here today? Gotcha, guys. Hey, today we have a guest named Matt Harris. Matt, I've known you a couple years now. Super motivated guy, super talented guy, and uh, super interested to just have everyone hear your story. So, Matt, why don't you just go ahead and, you know, tell us who you are. Yeah, well, thanks for having me out. It's good to see you again and be <laughs> here. Dom, it was nice meeting you. Absolutely. Um, my name is Matthew Harris. I run a video productions company called Blitz Studios. Uh, Blitz Studios, we do a wide range of projects, um, ranging from corporate promotional videos, real estate videos, event recaps, short films, documentaries, weddings, pretty much you mm -hmm. name it. Uh, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one, one area. That's like the most common question I'll get is, oh, what, what kind of projects do you work on? Mm. And I, I don't have an answer because... A lot of them are unique, so it's hard to categorize them to like one specific thing. We're mm -hmm. not very niche. We do a lot of different stuff. Do you uh -huh. have a, like a, a pretty specific age demographic as far like are you working with more so people under 40, kind of all over? I mean, a, a lot of them are companies. So, you okay. know, you've got like okay. obviously more than one person in a company. Sure. So I, I wouldn't say it's stuck. I mean, the weddings, uh, the wedding side of the yeah. business, the demographics yeah. are pretty like straightforward of like 20 to 30 year olds, yeah. young professionals. But outside sure. of that, I wouldn't say we pinpointed down to like an age demographic. Okay. So Matt, what's interesting about you is I like the fact that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been interested in doing, you know, your business. You've been doing this since sophomore year of high school, right? So your business really started off as your passion, right? Yeah, I definitely like uh, got involved in video productions and short film filmmaking when I was in high school. I was not like serious about entrepreneurship then. I was yeah. a pretty like classic high school kid, just kind of messing around with cameras and stuff and, and seeing what I like. And so senior year of high school, I started doing, like, I got my first paid project to film a synchronized swimming show, mm -hmm. which I forgot to turn the mic on the one main <laughs> camera, so I had, like, no audio. And, and imagine, like, trying to match up, like, 11-year-old <laughs> girls just kicking their feet out of water. Like, it was, like, it was a horrible. It was terrible. But I have learned since then. Yeah. So. I hope um, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Really, yeah. So I, I got involved in my senior year of high school. And then when I went to Baldwin Wallace, like both my parents were into sales and business. So that's originally what I was thinking. Like I was just going to study marketing and business, but I was kind of like, well, I really like doing this and I seem to be kind of naturally good at it. So I might as well just study film along the way. And then, um, and my undergrad at, at BW, um, really like Lacey and the SIG, I still wasn't super interested in entrepreneurship and undergrad until I got involved with some extracurricular programs that kind of focused on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they pushed me. They were like, Matt, like you need to, you know, write a business plan. You need to do this. Like, mm -hmm. let's go get you some clients. And so they really pushed me to kind of go out and venture on my own, which definitely was the greatest decision I've made thus far yeah. in my career. So just for the viewers, explain, you know, who is Lacey? What is, what was the SIG? Yeah. So at Baldwin Wallace, they have a building on campus called the Center for Innovation and Growth and at the, which is short for SIG. And at the SIG, they run programs that focus on student entrepreneurship programs. You do like a one credit class that uh, infuses like leadership, mm -hmm. like leadership virtues into entrepreneurship. So I got nominated by a faculty member to join that program. And then that's when I started writing the business plan. I started doing pitch competitions and started taking it a little bit more serious. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So in high school, was it like a, was it just a, like an elective class that you took that helped you kind of figure out I have the bug for this kind of work or like how, why, why video production? What, what led you there? Yeah, so I was taking video productions. I wasn't super serious, but I actually had a good friend. I got to give a shout out to Ace. Uh, that's his <laughs> nickname, Ace. And um, we, like, he's a very creative guy too. So we were good friends and we would always like, just kind of like, I guess, play with our imagination per se. Mm. And we would talk about like these movie ideas that we had and like, kind of just like, 
would joke around and go off on these tangents about, we call them like cinema rants or whatever, where we would like pretend that we were filming a movie and make these scenes and yeah. we would be like dying of laughter about it. So that was kind of like our just like, just us messing around. So, so then we started like actually getting serious about it when we started taking the class together. Mm -hmm. So being in the class with him uh, and having like a buddy that was as serious about it as I was, we started kind of taking the projects to the next level. Like the first film we did came from a prompt from our teacher was like, the prompt was the world would be a better place if dot, mm. dot, dot. And mm -hmm. you'd have to go film like pretty much like you doing like for fun stuff. So like my video was like so corny. It was like, oh, if we gave back more and we filmed me at Goodwill, like giving them like clothes or whatever. Yeah. And we go to film his and we didn't have a plan for it. And like, this is gonna sound crazy, but at the time, like this is when ISIS, you know, you remember <laughs> ISIS, like yeah. was kind of being bad, like yeah. bad characters in the world. <laughs> and my buddy was like, yeah, the world would be a better place if ISIS didn't exist. Okay. And so for some reason that like got us onto this rant of making a short film called ISIS Takeover, where it'd be like James Bond, yeah. but it instead was Sterling Williams, who Ace played as the main character. <laughs> and we made the, the first one, ISIS Takeover, and like it was like a huge hit at Revere because we got a bunch of kids from the school to be in it, and we were like, like we were playing it the other weekend. Like it was hilarious. Really? So like everyone loved the movie. Like teachers would play it in yeah. class. And like we rewatched it the other weekend. Like it's pretty good. Like yeah. for us just messing around, like it's like hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. so we ended up doing that in the fall of senior year. And then obviously we had to make ISIS take over to the final chapter in the spring. <laughs> so like our senior year, like like we were making like making the shorts like every day like that's what we were doing after school we were planning we were writing the scripts like yeah like getting all the characters in line like it was a whole production so that's like really what inspired me to like continue pursuing this as like just a passion yeah because at the time it wasn't I wasn't even thinking about it as a career I was just having so much fun making these movies and and was like, I like this a lot. This yeah. is cool. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Even when we had <coughs> Zach Buckeye on last week. Like he didn't see, he never saw himself as an entrepreneur. He never saw himself as making brownies. It was just kind of like a hobby that he did, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But the more, the older I get, the more narratives you hear about people like Matt, like Zach, who just kind of fall into the entrepreneur, like they have the entrepreneurial spirit. They don't recognize it at the time, maybe, but they're very passionate about something. And eventually that turns into you know, a, a successful business, you know? Yeah, I feel like, honestly, that's sometimes how the best relationships, businesses, ideas, anything like that is where all of a sudden you're, you know, it's almost like the popcorn theory where it's like, you know, the colonel sitting next to the fire and the scientist looks and all of a sudden he looks over and it's a different form and he's like, oh, we have popcorn. Like, yeah. you're sitting there and you're like, holy crap, I like what it is I do. I'm pretty good at it. I kind of have a business here. And yeah. I felt that's what, like, Zach had, yeah. you know? So for you, was it... You know, like, do you look back on your experience at Baldwin Wallace now and say, okay, that's an integral part of my life? Or do you look back and say, damn, man, I really could have started my business out of high school. Like what, what kind of role did those four years play for you as far as helping you advance yourself to a business owner? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that, uh, I mean, the college experience in itself was definitely important. Like I had to go out on my own, kind of figure out who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And just having that kind of maturity aging aspect of college, sure. of getting out of the house, living on your own, kind of figuring things out in your way. Mm -hmm. And kind of like what you were saying, like I was never serious about entrepreneurship. I have the characteristics of an entrepreneur in terms of like being a risk taker and kind of going with the flow, mm -hmm. more of like an outspoken person. So from that aspect, like I had all the traits, um, but I just like, like I said, I was just going with the flow. I was enjoying high school, enjoying college, yeah. and you know, kind of taking it one day at a time. So um, I think it did play a big role uh, in terms of like just the professional development it gave me and, yeah. and kind of fostering what was inside of me the whole time, but also helping me realize that this is like a serious profession that I could take full time and, and be successful with. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I, I I don't I, I always get that sometimes like even as being a mortgage banker they're like why'd you go to college if you weren't you know because to be a mortgage loan officer you don't need to go to college mm -hmm. you could literally just pass a test and then you know 30 days later you get your license and you're good to go right but it, it is that it's that like professional development over the four years yeah the student loans suck 
but it teaches you a lot of just like the maturing process, even though I didn't really necessarily, and maybe you could speak on this too. Mm-hmm. Like, even though, yeah, like, cause you're in psychology, mm-hmm. like that has nothing to do with yeah. bi- like, you know, our business now, but the experiences, the people that you meet, I mean, that's what's worth it. You know, you can always look back on, you know, with, with where it is you're at now with where it is, we're at, you're at whatever, anybody who went to college and is now in something where you can say, I really didn't even need the four years. Mm-hmm. I think it does serve its purpose well, not only in the sense of like what it is you were saying, almost like, hey, I got to go out and just experience things. Like, you know, I've been with my parents my whole life, my whole 18 years. Let me go and learn time management on my own. Let me learn that like I have to get up and take my ass to class and get my homework done and do my own laundry and get myself food and this and that, like that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, one conversation I had with Hatch before is he believes firmly that and there's kind of like the polar opposites of it. So like, for example, somebody who just says, screw it, I'm just going to go do, I don't know, like a trade or work in a factory versus somebody that says, I'm going to go to college. He firmly believes that the individuals who decide to go to college, whether or not it's you graduating with something that you're going to use, those four years are a very, very important time for our brain at the time, like going from adolescence into adulthood, mm-hmm. right? Where as males and like females, we're still growing into that. And our brain is developing for us to get like hardened set beliefs and like learning, uh, um, I don't wanna say traits or characteristics, but like uh, habits mm-hmm. and studying in this nest. So I would say college for me just, I mean like, you know, people say, oh my God, I'm done with school. I'm never going back to school. We It's school every day for us in our job. I'm sure it is for you learning, you know, new cameras you can use, different techniques for yeah. us, new guidelines. I mean, we have to study guidelines daily. So, mm-hmm. And it's memory retention with that as well, which is basically what school was. So I would think it was just very important for developing the brain and also just habits. And again, having that time where it's you just going out on your own. Now you mm-hmm. can get that outside of college, but I think college is like the most basic and fundamental way to get that experience that's gonna help you grow mm-hmm. in that regard, you know? Mm-hmm. So Chris, remind our viewers again, who it is we are and what we do. Hey guys, both Dominic and I are loan officers here at Liberty Home Mortgage. So if you or anyone you know is looking to purchase or refinance a home, please email us at the Elevate Clee podcast at gmail.com. Subject line, looking to purchase or refinance a home. Email's in the description. Yeah, Yeah, I think that too with college, it's kind of like a happy medium of being an adult, but still being a kid. Like if you don't go to college and you go to trade school and you're done and you're working full time by 19 and you're out on your own, like college is nice because you're still kind of a kid, but it kind of gives you that cushion to fall into. Yeah, yeah. like, like developing. Yeah. yeah, it's like a That's slow process yeah. before like, like if you graduate, you go straight into the working field. It's kind of like a rocket ship taking you into adulthood. And college yeah. is more of like easier way into it, which <laughs> I mean, when you're that young, like a lot of kids kind of need that time to still like mature at 18, 19 and figure sure. out what you want to do versus sure. kind of getting straight thrown into adulthood yeah. right yeah. away. I mean, you kind of did on your own, though. I mean, you went from. Co- OK, so like, you know, you and Chris just closed the loan a couple months ago, right? You're a homeowner yeah. now. Congrats, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I already said that. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> uh, but I mean, for you, like, you know, we're homeowners, but we still have a company that pays all of our expenses, essentially, like for everything that is pertain- like related to business, majority sure. of it, right? Me, you jumped into like, okay, college, now I'm a homeowner and business owner. I mean, everything's on yeah. you. You have people reporting back to you. How's that feel for you? What has that transition been like? I mean, you seem like a very laid back type yeah. of guy. I mean, no offense taken to it. Yeah. Like no, I, I wouldn't yeah. take you as like the business owner right away. How's that been for you? And and how is it being a business owner as far as like your time management and uh, just management of people as well? Yeah, it's stressful because while I'm a good business owner or per se entrepreneur, I'm not the best manager of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like one of my like weaknesses, I would say is that like, I hate, like, when my employees are texting me every morning, like, what am I supposed to do today? I, I want them to be, like, knowing what they're supposed to do. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't love that aspect of my job of, like, not necessarily babysitting, but having to, like, oversee everything they do. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's always tough for me. And, two, it's kind of, like, with my the nature of my business, too, it's, at least as of now, it's very, like, per project base. Mm-hmm. So, like, we might finish, like, one project and that's it with the client. And th- they might come back 6 to 12 months, but I don't know if they're going to come back. It's kind of like this is the project in front of us, and when it's over, the cash flow is gone from that client. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that in itself, too, is definitely nerve-wracking because there's times where it's, like, we're, we're wrapping up projects, and I'm like, all right, I need to get more business on the books. Like, 
hopefully more projects come kind of thing. Yeah. But it always works out. Like I, at this point, like anytime I, I swear every time I start to get that kind of antsy feeling of like, I need to book more projects, I'll get a big inqu- inquiry and we're, we're back to business. So, yeah. um, it's kind of funny how that works out. Like sure. even yeah. just like the other day I was thinking about December and cause a lot of my projects are wrapping up now and I didn't want to take on a lot of projects for December cause I'm kind of enjoying this time of like just finishing things up and, and really gearing up for 2022. But uh, one of the biggest projects I've had for my business came about and we're signing the agreement today and we're going to Texas next week. So, <laughs> no kidding. That's yeah. awesome. so like, it's just kind of funny how that works every time That's awesome. I, I start to get nervous. How do you get, so take us through, how do you, how do you get your book of business? How do you build that up? Yeah. So the book of business, um, it comes through, well, obviously current clients. I have a couple of clients that come like the bigger accounts. They'll come back to me on like a month to month or every couple months for projects. So they'll keep us busy as kind of like the core of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's obviously the referrals. So just word of mouth of working, uh, people like really do like our work. So they're always referring us to other clients and then the rest is just through advertisement, um, whether that's like online, Google search ads. Um, there's some like marketplaces that I use. So like if you were to search video production companies, Cleveland, mm-hmm. like, and if you look at the organic search results, yes, some companies, some homepages come up, but there's also other websites that will be like top 10 video production companies in Cleveland. Yeah. And you pay to play to be on those websites. Oh, yeah. So a few of those websites that I've kind of developed over the course of the last two years of building reviews, like a great profile, being able to show up first on those search results has really helped get new business. Hmm. Could you break it up in like a percentage, like in a given month, what's a percent that you get from the different avenues of, uh, you know, your business? Yeah, I would say, uh, oh my gosh, I, I would have a better answer than this year when I look back at my data because I've been collecting data on all of our projects and how everything's been broken down to cost. So I know mm-hmm. exactly how well I've been running the business. Um, but I would say maybe 30, cause it, it depends on the month too. For like sure. It's very like, yeah, you'd probably have like, to take an average. Yeah. I would say 30 to 50% comes from retainer clients or just clients on a monthly basis. And then other 10 to 30% come from one-off prod, bigger, bigger one-off projects, um, for a client. And then the rest 70 or the, the remaining 10 to 30% will come from not necessarily a project start to finish, but it's like an out of town agency that has a client and they just need a production company to go shoot for their client. And we give them the raw footage. Like Texas. Gotcha. The Texas one? Texas is a, a start to finish. Okay. Where oh, yeah. I'm okay. handling the client management. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to edit. Um, like last week, there was a client from San Francisco. They work for like uh, uh, Primco. They do like financial advising services. Sure. They have a client in Fairlawn. They needed to go do mm. a testimonial video. They didn't want to fly in from San Francisco. They hired us. We so went shot. Yeah. We we shot them all the files through Google Drive, and I get paid for the day, and we and we go our That's separate awesome. ways. Can you talk on the Texas the Texas client? Yeah. So the Texas client, um, it's pretty much for um, a woman. She's an entrepreneur, and she does. So the client, it's it's a little bit sketchy because it's an NDA kind of thing, but she is working for a Fortune 200 company that does a lot of like um, paint supply. It's not Sherwin-Williams. They do okay. a lot of like paint supplies though. Mm-hmm. And so they have a lot of warehouse workers. And obviously when you have a lot of warehouse workers, you get warehouse injuries and stuff. And so she's a physical therapist and she gets these corporate contracts to go in and train the workers on how to properly lift, you know, like that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And so hmm. she has to make like training videos for that. So we're going to... Um, the company we're going to his warehouse i don't think it's an nda but i don't know uh maybe just beep that out <laughs> uh, we're going to their their like warehouse to to film like some training videos um on how to like properly lift it's yeah. not like the most glamorous project but it's a project yeah and it's yeah. gonna pay i mean that's a huge company yeah that's on your legal team if it is an issue yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is me yeah <laughs> so uh we have an upcoming guest in the next couple of weeks john de julius he's he's his brand the de julius group is 
one of the largest that speaks to a lot of big time. I mean, they've spoken to the Ritz Carlton, mm -hmm. Carnival Cruises, Starbucks. Celebrity Cruises, Starbucks, uh, Chick-fil-A, the whole nine, right? Uh, he owns John Robert Studio, which is like a hair salon in Northeast Ohio. And I'm, I don't know exactly where they've expanded to, but it's a pretty big salon. He has Every, a few branches. A lot of places, okay. yeah. Um, his big thing is the customer experience. And what you touched on is majority of your clientele is repeat business. So that is for a reason. Not only I would say in the product that you are pushing out to them and the work that you do, but I would also say in their experience with you guys. Because if they thought that your crew was a bunch of jerks or they didn't like you and you mm -hmm. guys were lazy and not responding, they wouldn't go with you. So take us through your management of customer service and Blitz Studio and uh, maybe a couple selling points that allow you to take over another competitor if it's like between, hey, I'm with Blitz Studio and yeah. this company. Yeah, I actually talk about the customer experience a lot for the wedding business because uh, when the weddings, like you don't really know the client before. I mean, we talk on the phone, we get them the proposal, like it's all good, but it's not like they're like my friends or something. So when we show up on the day of the wedding, like this is a very important day in their life. So you're obviously yeah. trying to leave a good impression on them. So I really, with my crew, focus a lot on the client experience because I know that even if the videos weren't as amazing as they want. If we were there the day of and they just loved working with us and we were super friendly, passionate about what we were doing, that will like compensate for maybe bad audio in a ceremony or something like that. Yeah, right. So that's like one thing I really focus on with the weddings is that when we get there, we're very friendly, we're very engaging, we wanna get to know them because that can often lead to even a better experience than just the quality of the videos themselves. Like, yeah. And so that's like one thing I focus on a lot for like the consumer side of the business is mm -hmm. like that customer experience they have the day of the shoot. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always like bringing home those points with my crew when you're going out. And if I'm sending someone that's not myself or if I'm hiring people, like I want them to be very like um, customer oriented people that are very easy going. Cause too, with like video and stuff, you can get like not the most like customer centric or people person. Like if you're video editing every day and you're in front of a computer screen, like just yeah. naturally like the talent you get if you're yeah. posting video editing jobs mm -hmm. aren't gonna be like salesy people. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like finding that balance of making sure that when I bring someone on too, that they're gonna be like great client facing. Mm -hmm. Cause like I get really good reviews when I go out cause I'm just like a happy person. I always bring yeah, good energy yeah. where I go. So um, like I always get good feedback. So that's definitely like a really important experience too. Yeah. Um, and just being like responsive and, and transparent too about what we can and can't do. Like I sure. never try to over promise and under deliver if, sure. if they're asking about stuff. Like I try to be as upfront from the beginning mm -hmm. as much as I can. So if yeah. you had to have, in the last, since you've had Blitz Studios, have you had to, you know, adhere to bad customer experiences? I mean, and, I, how, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, like I, uh, bad customer experiences, like I've never gotten like a bad review and like if a client's unhappy, I mean, I've had unhappy clients. I found that like a lot of times with video and unhappy clients, it's a lot of like ego, egos in the way. People don't like the way they look on camera or, mm. but like you won't notice, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'll, I'll send the video thinking they look great, they sound great and they'll come back and they'll be complaining because their jacket's a little like scruffy in the shoulders if they're wearing a suit coat. So yeah. I'm like, dude, no, no one's ever gonna notice yeah, you're that <laughs> you're fine. But like the one guy was like freaking out because he said that his suit coat was like a little fluffed in the back and me as the director didn't tell him to pull it down. No. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even notice that. Like no one is ever going to like watch this two minute video that has a ton of B-roll and action shots. Like, he was that pissed? Oh yeah. He was not happy. So like the other guy was like super mad because like he wanted to scrap the whole video because he was sitting down for the interview instead of standing up. And he thought that looked like super unprofessional. And this was like a well-lit interview. Like it didn't look unprofessional. Like we had a great backdrop, like lighting and everything. And so I've, I've learned over the years that like some people can get in their own way. And so, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, if they're super unhappy, I'll give them a refund because one, pro like I said, we're at such a like per project basis that like one refund is not going to be the end of the world. And I'd rather have them not leave one bad review stays with me forever kind mm -hmm. of thing. So yeah. it's like, if it's a smaller project, 
I, I don't think I've really ever had to issue a refund, but I'm, I'm willing to if, if it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, people are yeah. word of mouth these days, you know what yeah. I mean? They, they click on your company and they see one bad review and then it's like, yeah, I don't want to work yeah. with these people anymore. Yeah. And it's like to an extent, like if they're complaining about their jacket, I'm not going to give them a refund after we've done all the work because they don't like how, you know, they didn't shave that morning and, you know, something <laughs> like that. You. But yeah, if there was you. something on us where like we screwed up the files or the audio got messed up and it's like on our fault. Yeah. Like I'm going to do everything I can, whether it's free reshoots, you know, bend backwards to make sure that they're happy without mm-hmm. screwing myself over. Yeah. Dominic, I love what he says about like, you know, just the soft cells, mm-hmm. you know, just being super friendly, maybe getting the guys or gals to laugh, especially like, you know, us as salesmen, sometimes it's not just getting right into the numbers for someone who's purchasing a home. Like I do, I want to get to be able to know the client a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Cause I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, motion creates emotion and how someone um, feels they remember a lot, you know? That's right. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I think one of the things I'm learning off Matt Luptak a lot and what I'm trying to integrate into my sales calls is really um, like pulling people's pain points out, you know? and harping on those as far as like, hey, why, you know, at the end of the day, and maybe there's not certainly, you know, all the time with a video, maybe there is, I mean, the pain point would certainly be like, hey, and, it, and pain doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I'm hurting or yeah. I'm depressing down. A pain point is just like an emotional point that you're trying to, you know, pull the strings on the emotions because that's what people are going to buy off typically is emotion, right? So, you know, for the wedding, obviously it's, I mean, that's an easy one. Like, you know, you just talk about the le- the wedding, light them up. Like they will go with you all day long because you are focusing on their day versus like, oh, well, here's the cost. Here's this is what I do versus yeah. like, hey, wow, this is a big day. Tell me about that. So for me, it's just what I try to do, like you're saying, is in that first couple minutes, build the rapport and like, you know, hey, at the end of the day, you're going to talk to five other lenders and uh, they're just going to jump into the numbers for you. But I want to know why it is that I'm even providing you numbers. Mm-hmm. Sure, you're trying to buy a house. That's easy, right? Everybody knows that from this inquiry, you're trying to do that. Maybe, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. 95% of the time. But like, why is this important to you? Why is this Chris Doyle's transaction, not just some individual buying a house? Yeah. You know? And I think that's that's the biggest thing. And what I would advise any salesman is like, hey, you got to differentiate and make it a, an experience for them, right? It's the customer. It's their yeah. wedding. It's not just another project in December for Blitz Studio. Yeah. It's joe and jane's or yeah. you know whatever's that's their wedding that's their big night but how know? many people in that wedding and they see matt like super intense into filming mm-hmm. and they're like wow actually like i'm like this guy I'm, yeah i'm gonna be proposing to my fiance here yeah you know or my girlfriend mm-hmm. in a couple months you know what's his number yeah 100 percent. i mean i gotta imagine yeah. that you're the guy literally like with the family dancing at the end of the night uh, and they're yeah. taking pictures of you. I, the, the, <laughs> the reception I'm vibing. Yeah. Well, and like that's the thing is I did like a friend's wedding. I filmed their wedding and like I had a lot of friends at the wedding and I kind of felt uncomfortable because I go so hard at the wedding, like filming and I'm hitting all these angles on the gimbal and they're all watching me. And I'm like, I got a little self-conscious cause I'm like, like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if I really like <laughs> filming friends weddings because yeah. like I'm going really hard here. Yeah. They're like, this dude is just filming weddings, like taking it so serious. But yeah. like, I just love doing it. Like, and that's like the funny part with weddings too, is that like when I graduated college, I had this mindset of like, I don't want to film weddings. I was like, that's so cliche. Mm. Like being a wedding videographer, like kind of like that's below me. I don't want to do that. Like I want to do bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. And then as I graduated and I just needed jobs, like obviously weddings came up and I started booking them. So I I had this balance of doing both like the corporate work and the weddings. And I quickly realized, I'm like, wait a second, like this is way more fun than the corporate stuff. Like you go to the (laughs) wedding, everyone's all dolled up there. It's the happiest day of their life. Like it's just a huge party. You get to meet a lot of people and you can pretty much get paid the same amount. So I'm like, damn, I had this whole thing backwards. Like weddings are lit. Like this is great. <laughs> like way this to go. is awesome. Like I'm getting, weddings. I'm eating filet. Yeah. Like I'm getting <laughs> free drinks. Like they're having fun. And like, like a lot of people be like, oh, well you have to deal with the bridezillas. And I'm like, it's quite the opposite actually, because for a corporate video, I might send them and they'll, and if it's like a big company, they're going to come back with like 20 tweaks. Oh, can we change the font? Can we move this up a little bit? Like they'll get super nitpicky, which is fine. I don't mind doing it but it takes more time Mm -hmm. for a wedding. I send them the wedding videos and they respond. Oh my God, I love this. Thank you so much. Where can I leave a review? And that's like it. Or maybe like, Hey, can you add a shot of my mom into the highlight video? And it's like so much easier. Mm -hmm. So in reality, I mean, yeah, I do have a couple of bridezillas, whatever, but 
in reality, the client, it's a lot easier to manage because half the time they just say like, thank you, this looks awesome. And that's it versus mm -hmm. a corporate client. I mean, we could go five, 10 rounds of edits before it's done. Jeez. So yeah. Um, do you see the business going more, like, where do you see your business evolving to eventually? Yeah. So that's a good question. Cause I don't know if I'll stay in the wedding business forever from that aspect. Um, and from the corporate side, I mean, really at the end of the day, I love filmmaking. So if I can kind of pivot more towards short films and documentaries and like bigger contracts gotcha. for like longer projects that instead of doing 10 projects per month, like one project, that's six month contract kind of mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. I'd way rather have that so I can just really sink my teeth into something that I'm more like passionate about versus just kind of juggling projects. I feel like the part of me has kind of s sold my soul to like corporate video and stuff because <laughs> it pays really well and I enjoy the cash flow of it. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of draining. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where I want to go with it. I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens in 2022. I'm going to bring a couple more people on and really try to grow the business mm -hmm. and just, like I said, just see where it, where it goes. So you're just going to try and like, you know, head down, just going to grind as much as I can, make as much money as I can. And then, you know, eventually get into like, you know, the short filmmaking, documentary filming. Did you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's really like two ways I can grow the business from here. And it's either we're going to grow it horizontally or we're going to grow it vertically. And so what I mean by that, it's so like right now, the way we set up our business model and the pricing, so which is taking some time to learn. So pretty much how I bill is on production days. So half day, full day, we don't do it like per hour. And then whatever, how many days it takes and then crew size. So typically projects are like one to three people crews. Mm. Cause that's all I can, I mean, if I could build more like higher person crews, I'd like to, but that's just all I can in terms of manpower. Um, so like they'll get built on the half day, full day shoot rate. And it's typically starting at two people crews just cause lugging the gear around. Like I hate doing one person crews now, unless it's something super easy. Yeah. Um, so that's how we build a production. And then we build editing time at $75 an hour. And so if let's say a corporate client comes to me, we'll be like, okay, it's two days, two full day shoots, two person crews, 40 hours of editing, five grand for the, the corporate video. And mm -hmm. then it gets billed into a one-off project, but it's like a time and materials not to exceed. So we'll say like you have three rounds of edits you can do. And if they're out of scope, you're going to get billed more to, mm -hmm. for the additional time it takes us to mm, complete okay. this. Okay. So that's kind of the, the, the long story short business model of it. So at $75 an hour, like I could grow, like that's still a pretty affordable cost for small to medium sized businesses to pay. So, th so instead of raising rates, I would just grow horizontal and keep it at the $75 an hour and just bring on more editors and try to do 20 projects a month, but still tailored to more of like the medium and small businesses out there. Hmm. So that's obviously one way to grow. The other way would be vertical where you continue to bump up your rates and then you take on less jobs, but they're higher end clients. Gotcha. And is that just, so like for you to reevaluate your business's prices for your product, is that just based solely on skill, which I guess necessarily you can't have a measure. Like, I don't know how you would measure the skill on like video production. I mean, you could look at it and visually see a better company over another, but there might be different styles. So for you, is it, let me just look at my demand. The more people I have, hey, listen, I can't take on as many jobs or, hey, I have to hire more people to keep the prices the same or I'll take on less jobs and increase my prices. Like how do you scale and make your product more, I guess, of value over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, like that's like the weird thing too about video productions is that there's nothing like proprietary about right. it. Like anybody right. can go and shoot. So yeah. like that's like one of the biggest challenges of like the business model itself too. And it's not like, I mean, you are selling a product, but at the same time, it's a service. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like, what are, what are we? Are we a service you. or your product? You're like, the product. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's your time. So it is. is. It's, yeah, it's, it's at time. the end of the day, the business model is based around time, mm -hmm. which is very difficult because mm -hmm. it's not like, we're selling like, you know, cost of goods sold, like margins, like yeah. it's, it's a little bit more tricky than that. So that's something I've definitely struggled with over the last couple of years of like, how do I build like a sustainable business model and scale? And so, um, to answer the question, I don't even, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> pricing, like how do you, yeah, like how, how can you ever increase revenue by increasing pricing? Is it based on demand or what's your measure of that to say like, okay, hey, it's time when, to When am I going to raise rates? I think that, um, 
Or how is that even de like devised? Like, how did you come up with the seventy-five? And the yeah, is that you know what I'm is that industry standard, or is yeah. that more something that you just kind of figured out? I I just seventy-five dollars an hour for editing gives me a fairly solid cushion of being able to pay editors and overhead and still keeping a cut for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I figured it out. Like, so if seventy, like, let's say I was paying an editor fifty grand a year to work for me at seventy-five dollars an hour, and if let's they're not going to work 40 hours a week of billable time. So let's just say they're working 30 hours a week. That's going to bring in like roughly 120 grand. Mm -hmm. So that's still leaving about $70,000 per person of like quasi gross, a gross profit. I mean, minus the overhead and stuff, but labor is definitely going to be the biggest overhead. Yeah. So that's kind of where I got that business model. So like, let's just say if they were working 40 hours a week of billable, that's 150 grand a year minus 50 grand. That still leaves me a hundred K that I can now have of like disposable income to use on whatever buying gear or reinvesting in the, reinvesting company. Yeah. In the company, that yeah. kind of sense. So that's kind of where I got the $75 an hour from because mm -hmm. that still gives me the nice margin, but at the same time, like, people can afford $75 an hour. It's not 200, it's not lawyer, you know, you're not paying yeah, a lawyer yeah. for video. Edit. Cause you gotta think like two, from a skill standpoint, like how valuable of a skill is video editing? Like you can go to Fiverr and get someone to edit video for $5 an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that value proposition of like, I don't yeah. wanna like knock myself out of my own market because I'm trying to charge too much. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then take us through that. What's what wh like? Why not just go to Fiverr? Why go to Blitz Studio? The the value in it, I mean, uh, well, it depends on the project too. Because yes, we're shooting the video too, so like you mm -hmm. get the whole client experience of yeah. our vision. Like if you're trying to do a cut, let's just say you're a company in Cleveland and you want to do a promo video for your manufacturing firm. Like you, you could try to shoot it yourself on your iPhone, then send it to someone in the Philippines yeah. to edit. But your end product's not gonna look great versus if you came and hired someone that said like, that gave you creative ideas, like, hey, why don't we do this? Like, I'll bring the expertise, I'll write them a storyboard. They have that kind of professionalism, we'll bring the thousands of dollars worth of gear and we'll edit it a lot better than somebody on Fiverr. So mm -hmm. I think that value proposition too, and like the consulting aspect is why yeah. someone, and it's someone local that they can call too, you know, if they have questions or, or back and forth. I always think that a good saying to what to you know adhere to what Matt is saying is the cheapest is always the most expensive. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Like you can have the you could go to Walmart and get the cheapest you know whatever item it is, knickknack, whatever it is, yeah. exactly, or whatever it is, and it's not going to be quality. You're going to be back there in thirty days, yeah. and then you yeah. and then what are you going to do? You're going to end up buying like something something more expensive at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like I personally would rather just buy spend a little bit more to get the quality and then I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a car that's going on you. Like how much are you putting in to keep that thing running on the road versus, Hey dude, just go spend an extra 200 bucks a month. If you can afford that mm -hmm. and get something that is not going to be a stress for you going into work or just getting you to, you know, point A to point B mm -hmm. in a much yeah. better fashion. And you got to you know? think too, like if you're a company that's doing, you know, 10, 15 million in revenue and you're doing a company overview that reflects that, like you don't want it to look bad oh, you know? yeah, no. for a few extra grand to, you know, get a nice, well done video. It's yeah. definitely worth it in the long run yeah. to pay the upfront costs. No, I get it. I mean, it. I've used Fiverr and like I, you know, it was a rhetorical question for me, obviously I, over Fiverr, if I'm going to have you shoot, like I'm going to, I'm going to use you over Fiverr. Right. But at the end of the day, I guess what I was more or less trying to get to is like, what are your selling points? Like what from, you know, I could, I can name off one other guy who like we used to work with who does the same thing. You know, why blitz over said person X, you know, what, like what sets you apart? Yeah. I mean that it's a great question. Cause like I said, there's nothing proprietary about video. So I think it just comes down to the price and mm -hmm. the quality of work. And so, and who, you know, yeah. really it's like, yeah. who, who's reaching out to you. So, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I think it's just, yeah, I, I think it's person too. I mean, at the end of the day, what I always tell clients is listen, you, you know, you could walk down said main street in any main city and probably find three to four production companies, three to four lenders, three to four realtors, if not more, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's all about relationship. I, I don't want to work with every client. I'm not going to get along with every person on the initial phone call. And that's completely fine. Just like I don't, I'm not friends with everybody in the world. So I think for you, you're a very likable guy. You're the head of the business. It's a very enjoyable hobby for you, I would say. So I think a main selling point is 
you, your team, who it is you're bringing out. I mean, you, I'd, I'd have you at my wedding as the photographer. I could see you out there having fun with this. Here's the know? proposal. So package. But that's huge. It's the yeah, friendliness, yeah. That's you it. know, being yeah. engaged. And yeah, could they go to three to four different video mm -hmm. production studios? Maybe. But at the end of the day, you're getting yeah. quality at the end of the day. I mean, I'm sure if I called you at nine at night, you'd pick up. You're the owner of the freaking company. You better pick yeah. up. Yeah. You know you deliver I mean? the product on time. I mean, I've heard stories of these videographer guys where it's, you know. Showed up late. An hour late and you have people and they may have sitting good, there for you. They may yeah. have good product. Oh, they may be awesome. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's like, hey, you're not responding to my text. Yeah. Or, hey, it's like, I are you, where, where were you on the set? Like, I'm here about to film and I'm with, you know. A guy A, B, and C, and we're, we're just waiting. Go. Yeah, we're waiting yeah. here. Yeah. Um, or we have a deadline, and you're three days late. I don't know where you are. That stuff that is always worth the extra penny. There's no doubt about it. It just always is. I yeah. think in any service or any type of product you're trying to buy, you know. So, um, Matt, what I'm interested in is, you know, you have this. You're, you're talking a lot about, you know, obviously your hobby is the business of videography. I think even if you didn't have the business you'd work for somebody, right? You love doing what you do, or you'd freelance, right? Um, is the business part of it something that gets you going as well? Like you really, I mean, I could just sense in your voice, but is that as much a hobby to you? Or do, do you find that the business side of it becomes a little bit more daunting and you wish you could just be out there videoing more? Uh, I, I love it all. I yeah. love the balance of both being able on some days to just like, like run the business and do that aspect of it and like overseeing. But some days when I get tired of that, I love just to sit there and edit all day and like not deal with people. So mm -hmm. that's like one thing too, when I think about growing, like what role I find myself in, I'm like, I don't know, am I gonna be a salesperson? Cause like, if I keep growing, like I'll eventually have to be a salesperson. Like, mm -hmm. like that will be like, what my role is, is really bringing, cause I'm gonna be able to sell my, my company the best. Yeah, So. Like, uh, but I'm kind of like sad by that because I'm like, man, if I if I really like transition to a, a role where I have enough people and I'm having to bring in like 50 grand a month in, in revenue, like I'm gonna be selling making appointments every day mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, that's kind of sad because I won't be shooting and editing as much now. But if I edit for like three straight days, I'm like, I don't want to edit anymore. So I love the balance of having best of both worlds. Makes sense. Um, it depends on what I'm editing too. Like I like doing the more creative, like fun stuff. Like I don't, like some of our jobs are very cookie cutter, just pays the bills. Like I don't want to be, cause it's not a good use of my time to be doing like simple editing, like mm -hmm. cutting clips mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like that's not what I should be spending my day to day on. Um, so I think it's just having the time management of like picking and choosing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'll be selling a lot more in 2022 versus editing. So, yeah. and we've had Marcus Ogden, former NFL um, player mm -hmm. and uh, Zach Buckeye, owner of mm -hmm. Buckeye Brownies. And they, bo they both talk about, you know, routine and how important that is to them. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to understand, like, do you have a certain routine that you just don't break or is your day just a little more, more chaotic and you kind of just respond and pivot to everything? Um, kind of take us through what your day looks like. It, you know, do you have a routine? Do you not have a routine? No, I don't have a routine and... Uh, I could be better at that. <laughs> I could be better at having discipline too. That's like one area I always tell people, like I need to be more disciplined. I'd get like a lot more done. How um, so? I, I, well, when I sleep in too much, <laughs> I, I, I need to get up earlier. That's like an issue of mine is uh, I sleep in. I mean, I work, I still work a lot because I keep track of all my hours, but I think that I could use some more discipline in my life. Um, in terms of like a routine, like, no, I, I don't have a routine my day. It depends on the day. So like, if I have a shoot that day, that's obviously going to determine my schedule for the day. It's going to revolve around, works around that. Okay. Yeah. It works yeah. around like going to the shoot. Cause yeah. like, we'll go to Columbus and Pittsburgh. So those days, like I could be up at 6am to make my daily commute to Columbus. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like if it's a shoot day, it revolves around that. If it's not a shoot day, but if it's like the day before shoot, I'm gonna be in the studio prepping the gear, charging the batteries, making sure we're all good to go for the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a day, if it's a lighter day, um, I'm probably still gonna be in the studio, just responding to emails, reviewing edits, overseeing the editors, making sure things are getting done, doing some editing myself, yeah. taking sales calls, 
payroll, accounting, that kind of stuff? I don't think, I mean, it's different for everybody. Like you yeah. have Paul Gabriel, Everything Money, who came and talked to us and has a completely different perspective what, you know, Hash has. Way more laid back. Exactly. Way I mean, he laid was back. telling us like, you know, he doesn't have a set time he goes to bed or a set time he wakes up. He just goes to Every bed. Every day is different. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and I mean, he's running like, you know, what? 20 million in assets or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, he's got a big portfolio. So I think it's, it's obviously, you know, you say maybe you need more discipline, but maybe that's what it takes to to make you the best person you can be. I mean, obviously everyone needs a little bit more discipline, but if it works for you and how you respond to your your work, I mean, I don't know, maybe it works. Some people work with that, like it, they find order amongst their chaos, you know? I just think that's a typical artist. Like you just... Yeah, you know, I would. The I would more creative, yeah, like the greatest types or, are not yeah, going to be yeah, like very. Laid back. Like, when they're on it, they're on it. You know? Maybe yeah. when you start scaling, maybe just get a secretary or something. Yeah. Just someone yeah. to just like you know plan your day out for you. Because if you're not good at organizing, just like have just I mean you know hire somebody to do it for you. No, like organization's not my my strong suit by any means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so for you, you know, you talked about how you recognize when or where your time could be better spent, right? You, you, you know your skills and how to utilize those skills to the best of your advantage for yourself and the business. Is that where hiring came into place for you? Or is that where it will go in the future? Like, damn, I, you know, I gotta be honest. I, I, I'm, the, I'm the best salesman in my company. I only wanna take on this X amount of dollar of projects then I'll edit, but I'll do one a month for one week. So I'm gonna delegate everything out to more editors. I gotta hire more editors. You know, like, is that why you hired people? Because you realize your time is better spent elsewhere? Or is it you just had too much work? I just had too much work okay. where I kind of, like, it was in, I graduated in 2019. And I went full time in May. And by August, I was, my back was against the wall. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is this is too much. I got to find, like, an intern. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like the start was like, oh, like, I'll just get, like, an intern, someone to, you know, help out, like, here and there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Brought an intern on. And then I was like, wait a second, this is not an internship role. This person is very valuable. Like I need them to be on point kind of thing. Like a two person mm-hmm. company, like they were pulling a lot more weight than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to pivot from there. But um, yeah, it was mainly just because, I mean, at first I was just shooting and editing everything myself. And then I just had too many projects where, and I had enough cash flow at that point because when, you know, all the billable hours at $75 an hour, I was like, I need to start bringing on more people when you mm-hmm. get 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week of editing time. So, yeah. And how, how, how many people are under you now? Well, we had some turnover. So oh. the one girl left. So it was me and two full-time employees. And then I had two freelancers bouncing around on projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was kind of a range of three to five of us throughout 2021. And what's your goal for 2022? Are you trying, I know you said you want to scale and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have a set amount of people that you want to hire? Is it just as as much as work comes in, I'll, you know, no, respond to that? No, I, I want to be a little bit more proactive than reactive for 2022. So I w- I'm going to bring on an editor, like I'm going to post a job probably like next week and try to get someone to start. So I have two editors again in the beginning, and then I'll probably wait like another month or two, get them settled in. Because it takes a lot of time too on my end to like bring someone Training, on. Sure. Yeah. yeah so so I want to bring them on, and then I want to bring another editor so I can have three editors and shooters, and then ideally like a marketing salesperson as the fourth, and then hmm. me five total. Damn. So you um, could get pretty big in 2022. I I really think like I I can push for it, and I think we'll do fine. I just have a fear of scaling, and that's like my biggest issue. But it, you're taking the risk, and I think that's hmm. you know as yeah. long as you have a decisive action a decisive action plan, I mean you know you'll be fine. <laughs> what's behind What's behind that fear for you? Like, is it? I, I'm not even going to speculate. What is it for you, with scaling? That's like nerve wracking. It's the fear of the unknown. So like, I'll have to like, the, like it's expensive, first of all. Like payroll is obviously the number one expense. So one, it's expensive if I bring on more people and if the business doesn't come. Cause the whole point of bringing on the editors is to remove me from that role so I can focus more on the sales side. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, it's that fear of losing money. And I'm like content too with what, 
what is happening now. Like this year was a great year and I made a shitload of money and I was very happy. So like, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but like I enjoy like the hustle and like the mm -hmm. growing of business is a passion of mine. So I want to continue to like pursue that passion, but it's like that, I don't want to burn and burn and crash. So yeah. it's not like you're, you're out there saying, oh, I, you know, I have to make a million dollars for this thing to, for me to say that this is a success. You have found comfort in the fact that, holy shit, coming out of college, a couple years later, when I started this thing in mm -hmm. college as one man, I'm now at this point with my business over six figures, like, whoa, this is, this is cool. You mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. I don't have to go to, to, to more so now where it's just becoming a hobby of like, hey, let me just see how much I can, like your kid, like we were talking about last yeah. week, like your kid, like, let me just guide this thing well, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, let me guide this child well and like kind of be there as it grows, you know? So yeah. for you, is it, is it not number driven? Is it more of just like, the just the growing business, the business. Yeah, the business itself. Which I mean, obviously, I love come, making but. money. And <laughs> if I can make a million dollars at 26, I'd be the happiest man in the world. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, I I think it's more of like the 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 fun and too like if I like the more I grow the better the projects will be too so it's kind of that aspect like yeah. if I can grow and continue to develop the brand the reputation like only better more fun projects will come about that and too like the capacity for us to take on more bigger projects I'll have that you know opportunity to do so when the time comes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's kind of that both of trying to get more into like the filmmaking side of it and just the fun of growing a business. That's awesome. So Chris and I come to you, we're investors. We write you a check for 50 grand each. You now have a hundred grand. Money's not gonna be an object there for the company. What are you doing to, to, to blow your business up in the next 12 months with that $100,000? Like where, where would capital be allocated in your company as a media company to grow it? Well, definitely bringing on sales, a salesperson and a market er, and the editors would be first and foremost because we can only Right now with two people, me and the other guy, like we're already at full capacity just with projects, with not even taking on new projects. So uh, definitely like expanding capacity and then sales and then pretty much the rest would probably be going towards advertising dollars mm -hmm. and, you know, like more aggressive Google ads, LinkedIn ads. I don't run really any social media ads, so I haven't really explored that opportunity. And then there's just different markets too that we could enter. So really just seeing like, the different areas of the business that we could mm -hmm. grow and focusing on that. Yeah, I know you're saying yeah. you wanted to be proactive rather than reactive. So, what are you, are you trying to do like a sale like a salesperson first, then editors, or what what's really more important to you to to have on? Uh, definitely the editors first because like too like quality control is another issue that I run into. Like you can bring on editors, but if they're not up to my standards, like I go back and re-edit because I'm not going to mm -hmm. send something to the client that I don't approve of. Right. So I find myself still, even with the editors now, like I'll go back and re-edit their stuff because- That's, that's got to be frustrating. Yeah. Oh, it, that's got to be Yeah, it definitely is frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating one, but like two, it's it's also kind of like um, like a personal touch thing. Like it's a creative industry. There's It's not black and white. This mm -hmm. is exactly how you're supposed to do it. So there's a lot of gray area there okay. of like what yeah. you might think looks good, I don't think looks good. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of training them for my eye and yeah. like and like that's just a learning curve that anybody deals with. So um, that's one area is the quality control and finding good editors. Cause it's not like I can pay an editor a hundred grand a year. Like if I mm -hmm. could pay an editor a hundred grand a year, they'd probably be like a kick ass editor and mm -hmm. knock everything out like that and be amazing. But I don't have that capital. It's more of like an entry level job. So yeah. it's kind of like taking that with a grain of salt. Yeah. You're going to get more of like a raw talent mm -hmm. than you are like an experienced person. Yeah. Hmm. Do you see yourself kind of like, I know you said when you have an editor and you have to go back and maybe re-edit it. Um, does that come from like, you know, maybe like a control freak kind of background or is it just like your passion for quality? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's more passion for quality. It's just like watching that. I'm like, like this is this could be better. This could be better. Let's yeah. do this. Let's do that. And a part of it's just like the nature of the game. You know, like I'm always going to oversee. I I might just send him like the editor re-edits. Be like, hey, let's do this. Let's do that instead, and send it back to me. Okay, this looks good. Now it can go off to the client. Um, so that's like one, and then two. Um, it could be a little bit of a control freak. I, I, I like to make sure it looks good. I feel like a lot of CEOs, yeah, that's yeah. like a common thing with CEOs, yeah. is like, yeah. 
And I think it's a hard thing to just try and get away from is making sure obviously you can delegate and, Mm -hmm. you know, focus on what you're good at, but putting faith in other people, you know? Yeah, I think that's a big part of any highly successful person that now realizes like, okay, in order for me to go to the lengths in this that I want to go, I need other people with me and I have to learn to trust that they're going to do just as good of a job as long as my training is well and and meets up to par and everything. So, I I mean, I would imagine like – a first person that I hire down the road, it's going to be tough for me because I know I'm a control freak when it comes to certain things, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to certain things, like when it's to your your name is stamped on it, like it's Blitz Studio is Matt Harris. That's sending to a client. Yeah, yeah, you're my employee, but like, dude, that's my name. It that's is my review. That's because if that's they what, mess yeah. up, I mean, yeah. they're not the ones that fall. It's you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, let's you know, if you hired a processor and then they, you know, they messed up on something, they you know don't send a loan estimate at on time or a CD gets delayed. Comes back on me. It, it, yeah, dude. No yeah. one's gonna email or call the processor. It's one hundred percent on you, and 100%. now your name looks bad. So that's right. But yeah, I that's mean, right. controlling all aspects, making sure everything's perfect. I love the passion for quality. I mean, yeah, like you have to have a passion for quality. Mm-hmm. And that's the customer experience as well. It, go, it definitely goes back yeah, to yeah, customer 100% experience. 100% yeah. is. You know, to the point where, I mean, even uh, DeJulius, John DeJulius in his book says, when you put the customer first in that regard and you give them a world-class experience, price almost goes out the door. Mm-hmm. It really does. Because if you're, if it's a type of person where it's like, oh yeah, who's your guy's photographer? Like, gee, like I want to have him. Oh, he's kind of on the expense side. Doesn't matter. Did you see him at the wedding? We mm-hmm. want him there. You know, mm-hmm. or did you see this video he did for us? We want him to do ours. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one thing I, I always like, like whenever I'm looking at places I want to go on vacation, I always look at their promotional videos. Do you ever get in uh, or see yourself going into, or do you ever market to travel destination type companies or these resorts that want? I mean, they all have them. The, you can you know, do one at the no, Dominican. The drone. You're, you're going on yeah. vacation drone tomorrow. No, I left my drone at the studio. I'm about to go back yeah, for that. Yeah, you got to go. No, you actually, I'm it. meeting with him. I'll just have him <laughs> grab it. I totally forgot, but I'm taking my drone with him. <laughs> I already looked up Dominican. They got loose drone laws. You would have thought he like, <laughs> forgot to send out a bill there or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I didn't totally forgot the, the drone. No, I like the opportunities for like promo videos are like endless. Like I could go on the list of awesome like that's what I think about. I'm like private jet companies. Like I want to do promo videos for private jet companies. Like I was just stumbled upon that from like Burkfront. Like one day I was on Burkfront, you know, like Burkfront Airport in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like and they have like a private shuttle that you can take. And yeah. I like watched their promo video and it was like super crappy from like 2008. And I was just like, this is such like a good opportunity of like fun projects to do right but all of our business is inbound so like i don't like just cold call i don't sell like i don't email like all of our clients just come from people reaching out to us Mm -hmm. and that gets me to full capacity of where we're at so Mm -hmm. it's like i have a lot of grand visions of oh i would love to do content for x y and z but i'm stuck here because we I can't take on and on any more projects yeah. in our current workload. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, you hire two editors and a salesperson, then you know, you yourself are running the business, you have a salesperson as well, and maybe you are doing outbound. Yeah, yeah. no, that I, that's the goal yeah. is to yeah. get into outbound mm-hmm. so I can start because then you can start picking the projects you want to do too. So it's, is it just cold calling, you know, like hey, key bank, I saw you had a commercial look pretty crappy, let's you know, you know, stuff like that or. I guess so. <laughs> we'll find out. I think, yeah, it's cold call, cold emails. Just like, re- and I think it's like, it starts off in the local market, like Cleveland, like, uh, like, like Burkfront. Like, hey, like, I live in Cleveland. I was on your guys' website. I do video productions. Like, are you interested in beefing up your YouTube page or making, I thought I could do really cool videos. Like, let me know if you're interested in talking or whether that's through like LinkedIn or whatnot. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll find out. I've never done outbound. So that's like the other thing with like going into a sales role. I get a little intimidated because I'm like, I'm gonna have to like transition into a new role that I'm not like super comfortable with. So that's like the other fear I have is like, Mm -hmm. just kind of stepping out into that unknown. Uh, I, I, you know, kind of like when we were talking before here, um, before we started going live, uh, one of the things I said was how, and what we were just discussing is how everything is going towards the video, right? So you're obviously in a, um, you know, like Elon Musk. Hot market. A very hot market, yeah. Elon Musk said in an interview, I don't know, I couldn't tell you when it was. I just saw the clip. But nonetheless, uh, how he said, you know, he said 15 years ago, if you would ask me, like, what's the profession to go into, I would have said engineering. 10 years ago, I would have said engineering. Five years ago, I would have said engineering. Now I'm saying anybody who does video production, editing, this and that, that's what you need to go into. Um, that's what Elon said? Yeah, that's what Elon Musk said. video production? He's, yeah, oh, he said, like, anybody who could clip stuff off, like, social <laughs> media type stuff. Oh, yeah. 
So you're you're in the hot market, right? You're everything's good when it's positive like that. Yeah. What are some looming things on the market though that are threats? What, like what is out there that poses threats to you? Is it coronavirus? How did you guys do through that? Is it more competition? <laughs> You know, what are some market threats for you and your business? No, I mean, coronavirus is not a threat. Like, it was fine. I mean, obviously, things shut down for the month or two, but, like, people pivoted to digital content, so it kind of helped us in that regards and mm-hmm. made people even more value the importance of content because everything went content-based versus mm-hmm. in-person. So I think all in all, that actually helped for this year, mm-hmm. people kind of rethinking their marketing and strategy. I think the, the biggest concerns are just the the lower barriers to entry, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I wouldn't even have my job now because to do a corporate video would have cost a hundred grand. Like, mm. like with the cost of equipment and stuff that that wasn't really a thing back then. So as technologies progress, I mean, camera technology moves at an exponential rate. Like these cameras that they have now have come down so much in price. So, so good in quality. I mean, you can buy Netflix approved cinema cameras for three grand which is not a lot. If you're going to start a business yeah. and your startup expenses are $10,000 total, that's super cheap. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's one of the biggest concerns, especially with smartphones and people. I mean, people always say like, oh, this smartphone video is so good. I mean, it, it depends on who you ask, but sure. uh, it definitely has gotten a lot better. And it yeah. has like, for, for content purpose, it can serve a great tool for a lot of people. So I think that's probably the biggest threat is like, the democratizing of content of people doing their own versus trying to get it done outsourced. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's no way we could do this on our own. Yeah. So you mean that yeah. the, like the Apple uh, commercials where they say sh- like shot on the iPhone 12, oh, that's not actually that's shot cap. on the iPhone? <laughs> that, that's all cap. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, maybe they do, but they're also using like 50 to a hundred grand worth of lighting equipment and yeah. like, lighting is every bit like the, the iPhone cameras are good until you put them in a low light situation. Then you can see the difference between a good and a bad camera. Mm-hmm. Like if you take the, ca- the iPhone outside where, you know, you have the sun, it's going to look good. But even in here, like if I start shooting on my iPhone and like what, what people perceive as low light is not the same as what cameras perceive as low light. Mm. So like, that's like the biggest thing with like iPhones is that like the second they start to get into limited lighting conditions, they're not going to hold up nearly as well as professional cinema cameras. Yeah. Interesting. My final question for you before we'll let you go into yours. What, uh, what contributes towards your success outside of business? Just in general, like what helps the business outside of you being in the office and sitting at the computer editing that helps you be successful? It could just be characteristic traits, you know, traits that you have or your characteristics. You know, you're a you already we already determined that you're not the most, you know, you're not Jocko Willink or uh, David Goggins discipline. Right. So it's not the discipline. Is it the charisma? What is it? What is it for you that's contributes towards your success? Uh, definitely people comment on my energy a lot. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I always bring very high positive energy. I I don't know, like it's just inept in me. It's just kind of how I've always been wired Mm -hmm. and that gets perceived very well, especially on sales calls and stuff. People pick up on that over the phone when I'm just talking to them about their project. Um, so that kind of just bringing that energy and positivity, really does go a long way and people pick up on it like right away. I mean, you can pick up on people's energy pretty quick and how things are going to go. So that's definitely contributed to a lot of success. And, um, I, I just like the drive, the motivation of entrepreneurship in itself. Like it's just something that is really intriguing because like the sky's the limit. Like, and I just, Mm-hmm. I just want to get to the top. So I think it'd be fun to, to be able, like actually a goal of mine, not, not even a goal, I guess it's more of like a dream would be like taking a company public and ringing the bell on the NASDAQ. That'd like that sick. would be like one of the coolest moments in my life if that would ever happen. I mean, it's definitely a very far reaching goal, but yeah. like I just well, picture that. A lot and of people like, do it. Yeah. That Why would be the craziest yeah. thing for me. So kind of just ha- like, like I love finance and I love like companies in that aspect. So, so. charisma and ambition. That's what I take from it. Yeah, Absolutely. Charisma and ambition, which I, I see tenfold, even just after the almost two hours of just meeting you and knowing you. Oh my yeah. quick, this has been fun. That's it, man. It has. Yeah. Chris, wrap it up. What do we, uh, what's your final question here? Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Elevate Cleveland podcast. Dominic, wrap it up for us. As Chris stated at the beginning of this podcast, we are licensed loan originators for the best mortgage company in the land. That is Liberty Home Mortgage. Guys, if you 
or anybody you know is looking to purchase or refinance a home, doesn't, doesn't matter if you've done this one, 10, or 100 times, call us, email us. The email is in the description below. Reach out to that email in the subject line, put looking to purchase slash refinance a home, whatever it is your goal is. Chris and I will reach out to you within 24 hours and we look forward to helping you with whatever it is your specific home goal is. Thank you. No doubt, man. Um, first of all, thanks for coming on. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, going and following your passion into your business and everything, you took a big risk um, to do that. I mean, what advice would you give to somebody who's on the fence of, hey, do I take do I take and follow my passion and go into you know into a business I want to start yeah. up, or is this something? Do you, do I take the job offer at Key Bank and That's you know take one, the yeah. fifty thousand like dollars a year? Yeah. So my advice, and and I think it's kind of a two part answer is one. I feel like for a lot of young people, when they view entrepreneurship, it's inventing something new or something that's never been done before. But like, like I said, video productions, people do it in the past. So it's not necessarily like having to come up with something new. Like you just have to provide a value in the marketplace and you can do it. So I think a lot of people get stuck thinking like if they're going to take a job in accounting that they couldn't go and start their own accounting firm, which is not the case. I mean, they can provide value that other big accounting firms can't. So that's number one is not thinking that you have to come up with a brand new product to be an entrepreneur. And number two is like, don't doubt yourself if you give something your full-time commitment. Like that's like one thing people get stuck in is like if they're thinking about entrepreneurship, they take a job, but then they have that cushion of the job and they have to work 40 mm -hmm. hours a week that just drains them of their energy and time. If you quit that job and you have nothing to fall back on, like you would be absolutely amazed of what you can accomplish giving something your full time energy and commitment to. Like I just, I just winged it. I was like, we'll find out what happens. And like, I remember what I told myself was that, uh, I wanted to make three grand a month. That was the goal. So it'd be 36 grand a year. Cause that was yeah. pretty much what like an entry level marketing position makes. And I was like, if I can do that on my own, I'd be happy. And within the first six months, and that includes starting up in May with pretty much zero in revenue was 70 grand, like in profit. Mm. And that was probably <laughs> like a hundred K in revenue. And that was off nothing. Like it was like October and I was doing like a 15 K month. And I'm like, I would have never thought four <laughs> months ago that yeah. four months into running a business, I would be doing 15 grand Hell a yeah. month. That's like, awesome. I love and, it. And that so awesome. like, it just goes to show though, like once you do a full-time commitment to something and you're like, this is what I want to do. Like you can accomplish so much more yeah. than just being like, oh, I'm going to go work on this at 6 PM at night while I'm all cozied up on my couch, collecting my, my paycheck. Burn the boats. Yeah. That's what it is. Burn the boats. Right. So, yeah. uh, Matt, where do people find you? Where do they find yeah. Blitz Studio? And uh, I don't know, give a little, give a little deets yep. about yourself and go ahead and plug yourself here. Yeah, you can definitely go to my website, check out some of our work, blitzstudios.video. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at the Blitz Studios. Connect with me, Matthew Harris, Matthew underscore Harris 12, whatever works. Uh, thanks again for having me out. Awesome, man. Coming all video or uh, all, all weddings near you, right? <laughs> near you. Hey, we're wrapping up here. Episode three. Chris, another good one in the books, man. Yes, sir. We air Friday at 10, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. See ya.